Hey everybody, welcome to episode 48 of the Masterclass. I'm Cam, he's Dave, and you are you. That's the way it is. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Yeah? <laughs> I've been watching professional wrestling lately, Dave. Probably I have not. Probably shouldn't have said that on air. Now I'm going to be judged, but uh, whatever. Anyways, this is episode 48 of the Masterclass, folks. If that is what you're looking for, then you have found us. We talk about Jesus and the Bible and being a Christian today. That's what we do. And we've got some follow-up from previous episodes this week, Dave, and that makes me happy whenever we have follow-up. Yes. The first bit of follow-up is from my sister, Rachel. And uh, a few episodes ago, we were asking listeners to send in... um, their uh, favorite resources or books or um, websites that um, they found useful in their lives. And so Rachel wrote in and said that she just came across this book. It's one of the plethora that she has had to read this semester. She's in uh, seminary at Denver Seminary. Um, But I actually really enjoyed what it had to say, and it's a really quick read. It's called A Little Book for New Theologians by Kelly Capic, uh, I'm going to go with Capic, K-A-P-I-C. I don't know, maybe it's Capich if she's Eastern European, but I don't know. Uh, it's a very accessible book, and by no means does the reader have to be an academic to understand it. It's short, but it's a great introduction to the study of theology and the importance of it. It does a wonderful job of explaining the attitudes and skills required for good theology and shows how the field of theology touches everyone, not just Christians. So that is Rachel's summation of the book. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. Check it out if that sounds like something you might be interested in. Thanks, Rachel. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, and I I do believe Dave has another message for Rachel. Yeah, I I have a bone to pick with Rachel. She... uh, she followed me on Twitter like a month ago, and so I followed her back. And just moments ago, I was on my Twitter account checking that out, and uh, my request is still pending. Ouch. So what's that all about? I'd like yeah, to know. that seems a bit rude. So, uh, but I joke, because I actually really like Rachel, and want her to let me follow her so yeah she was our first guest she was our first guest that is really rude we had her on our podcast and she won't even (laughs) let you follow her on twitter i I, come on now given the fact that she's at denver seminary i'm sure she has plenty going on uh but no i just recently listened to episode 10 and it was a uh i enjoyed it very much it was fun having her on and it was a good discussion and um I don't know. It was a uh, check it out episode ten. We'll have with, it in the show notes with, with Rachel because it, it was a good episode. I was I was. Uh, you never really know, you know, when you're actually talking and doing it and how it goes. But then to listen to it like a, it's like a year ago. I think she was like on spring break or something. So it was yeah March or around that time and well worth your time. So man, we've been doing this a while, haven't we? I know. <laughs> Time when we, flies. When we can say that episode was almost a year ago. It's like, oh my goodness. All right. Well, we've got another piece of follow-up, and Dave, I believe this is yours. Oh, really? Yeah. What was... What? <laughs> I don't even know what I'm supposed to be looking at. It's right above the text. In oh, just the notes. reminder? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that was all um, really... As I was looking at parables this week, and... Uh, thinking about it, there just seemed to be a, a consistent theme 
from the people that I was reading and looking at and uh, studying that. And that's just, you know, generally speaking, uh, parables are illustrations drawn from everyday life that make one single point. It is essential to remember that parables usually have one meaning to them. And really that was just kind of a, I, I think I put it in there for me as much as everybody else to just kind of remember that, um, Jesus with his parables was very intentional and had a real purpose for them. And, um, I know I have a tendency to make things more complicated than they, they need to be. And parables are one of those things. And, um, we alluded to this and maybe even talked about it directly last week is that there isn't, you don't have to break down every little piece of a parable and get caught up in the minutia, but really, uh, the bigger meaning of everything. And honestly, I think I started to do that a little bit with the parable that we're going to talk about this week, uh, because there are a lot of different, um, it's one of the very, it's one of the longer parables. <clears throat> yeah. There's, there's longer parables here. and there's little different things. And, and really, I, 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 so I'd be, I'm kind of curious to see what we arrive on for the one meaning of this parable. Hmm. The suspense. Or is this one of those exceptions where there's more than one? I don't know. But <laughs> I think that, that what you just said is, is a pretty good summation of last episode about where we landed on parables. Mm-hmm. So that's a good reminder to, I think, usher us into our very first parable that we'll cover on this show. Awesome. So without further ado, let us hear the word of the Lord. All right. So we're at Matthew thirteen three through 9 and then 18 through 23. And he told him many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, And the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is what... This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundred, and another sixty, and another thirty. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, where to begin, Dave? Where to begin? There's a, there's a lot. That was a lot of verses. It was a lot of verses. It's like a whole, like, ten of them. <laughs> um, I guess we should start with the parable itself before we get to the explanation mm-hmm. that Jesus gives. Um. I don't know. I've read this one so many times that I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory, but it it may not be. Hence, why Jesus had to explain it to the disciples themselves. Um, 
But you asked an interesting question um, in our notes that said, uh, referring to the parable, this makes it sound like our eternal destination is determined by chance. Is this the case? What caused you to have that question? Well, the the first thing that I thought of was, okay, even in Jesus' day, if you're sowing seed, it seems like 90%, 95%, 99% should actually land where you want it to land. So that was kind of the that was kind of the <laughs> yeah. If you're missing if you're missing the target that much, you might want to reevaluate your uh, distribution process. So that was you know because and I felt like okay, a parable. The reason that Jesus would t- one of the reasons that Jesus would use a parable is he would you know it would be an illustration to help people understand something. So it's talking about the sower going out to sow, and I'm like, who? What farmer? You know, throws seed on the path. What farmer throws seed on rocky ground? Uh, and then the other two, I could, you know, get a little bit more in terms of, um, uh, the, the weeds coming in and, and choking them out and then falling on the good soil. So I don't, you know, and then, and this is kind of what I, one of the reasons why I made the point at the beginning, uh, to remind myself of don't get caught up in all that kind of stuff. Because, um, you know, then I even found myself saying, you know, kind of doing the whole, was there an even distribution amongst these four different things? There's 25% (laughs) here, there's 25% here, and there's 25% there. Uh, And then, again, there was kind of this sense of, um, well, the sower sows sows the seed, so... Obviously, the sower's in control of all this, and I'm not trying to take us into a predestination discussion um, on this. Uh, but obviously, the, it, it, it just seems like the sower is the one in control, and he could certainly um, determine where that seed was going to go. And then in this parable, as I'm reading it, it just sort of it just sort of seems like random. And am I just you know am I a seed and the fact that my seed landed in good soil and I'm still a Christian 30 years after hearing about him, I'm just lucky that, that, you know, I wasn't the, you know, amongst the thorns or on the path or in the rocky ground. Um, but I don't, I, I don't think that's the point of this parable when you really get into it, but it was a thought that I had. And, um, I've discovered through the years of living life that, um, I'm not as unique as I think I am. And oftentimes when I have questions or think about things that, uh, there's a chance that other people have had those same thoughts. Um, and if not, then okay. (laughs) But, uh, I figured it was a jumping off point as well in terms of just, yeah. You know, I think that, um, I, I do not believe that our eternal destination is determined by chance. I think that if you read scripture and you study it, that while God places some people in better situations than others, no one has an excuse of saying 
I never had an opportunity to know God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember having a discussion with um, a friend who's an atheist that said that it was unfair that they were born in middle white America and had the opportunity to grow up knowing Jesus, but that the people in India or, you know, Africa or China never get that opportunity. And how it's not fair that God would send them to hell because of where and when they were born. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my response then and my response now is, if you read in scripture, it states that multiple times that God is present in the very environment that we live in, right? The sun, mm-hmm. the moon, the stars, the mountains, the oceans, the beauty that we live in, the galaxy that we live in, the sure size and grandeur of the whole thing should cause you to wonder, how did this all get here? And so while I do not believe that our eternal destination is left up to chance, I do think that some of us have an easier path to the Bible than others. Like I grew up in a house where Bibles were just around. I could pick it up and read it. Um, Whereas another person might never see the Bible in their whole life, but all they have to base their relationship with God on is how did we all get here? And that, and that gets real fuzzy then because if they're growing up in, you know, tribal situations where there is a, a God of this, you know, the night God and the, and the day God or whatever it may be, how does God handle that? Are they, is he sufficient with them acknowledging the fact that there is a higher being? I don't know. And then you get into, well, does he feel that way about, about Jews and Muslims and Buddhists? And it's, it's a very slippery slope that I don't have the answers for. Um, but what I do know is that God knows what he's doing right. much, much better than I do. Yes. And I think that as we read through the answers that Jesus gives here in verses 18 through 23, we'll realize that's not really the purpose that this parable is for. There's plenty of other discussion, um, especially with Paul um, concerning this sort of stuff as well, that maybe we can get into at a later date or we can, you know, uh, give our listeners to go ahead and read. Um, but I tend to believe that chance is um, a convenient way to remove God from our thoughts, like coincidence and chance. It just so happened that this happened. That that doesn't work for me. Like God ordains these things to happen, um, which I think place, places me firmly in the Calvinist group. Um, but... I'm willing to be challenged on that. So if you disagree with me um, or you agree with me, just have a better way of saying what I'm trying to spit out right now, please um, let us know because this is one of those discussions that I think is really important, um, but is one that I am, I think not, no, I think I know I am not um, fully educated on. So, no, I don't think we're left up to chance. Good. I don't. That makes me feel better. <laughs> um, but maybe we should just move on to the answers now so we can, because I think that'll really facilitate some, oh, more, yeah. some more discussion. Um, first off, he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches 
away what has been sown in his heart. Wow, I really struggled with that sentence. Um, and so here's here's kind of where I think the viewing the sower as kind of inept kind of goes away because what's really happening is, is he is giving the seed to all places that could receive it. It's just a matter of what happens after he's planted the seed that changes the outcome. So it's not that the farmer is, you know, trying to plant seeds in brick, you know, rocky dirt, uh, as it says. Rather, he's trying to plant as much seed as possible, and it's just after he has planted it that the situations change. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when I read these answers, it tells me there's, that there's a few things that are key to having a strong relationship with God, and that's um, discipline, education, and community were the three that I pulled from the three situations that don't end well for the seed. Mm-hmm. And this first one would be the education factor. It says, uh, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown. So if we are out there sharing the gospel with people and they do not have the requisite knowledge or education for what that means, it's much easier to take away something from people when they don't understand the value of it. You know, there was uh, an elementary school, we would play Pogs and Magic the Gathering at recess, <laughs> and they both got banned from the school because kids were taking advantage of each other. Parents were spending all this money on these cards and Pogs <laughs> for their kids, and the dumb kids were getting totally swindled by the smart kids. Like, I'll trade you this really, really, two really crappy cards for your one super rare card. And then the kid would go, oh, Mom, look what I got, you know, and fights would ensue because <laughs> people that didn't understand the value of what they had, even in something as silly as, as you know, strategy cards in cardboard circles called pogs, even in such a unvaluable thing, people were still taking advantage of the ones that didn't realize the value of what they had. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that happens in sales floors all across the country and, real estate negotiations and all that sort of stuff. And so if we are not, if we're sharing the gospel, that's a good thing. But if we are not also um, sharing the value that the gospel has for that person's life, then we are potentially setting them up for failure because they could be like, Oh Jesus. Yay. I get to go to heaven. Awesome. And if that's where it stops, then there is no life change. There's no conviction. There's no understanding of the value of, oh my gosh, this is really what has happened. That I was once dead to God. And because of what Christ has done, I am now alive again. And only because of what he has done does my life have eternal purpose and meaning now. Mm-hmm. That has more value to somebody than, oh, I guess I don't have to burn now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if we're just. And, and I don't mean to pick on people that hand out tracks or, or preach on the corners, but are you really imparting value to people that way? As opposed to building relationships with non-Christians and walking through life with them and showing them what the gospel is like mm-hmm. in everyday life. Yeah. That imparts value. Yep. You know, and, and I guess the approach is quantity versus quality, if you can put it that way. Well, and I think if you go to the Great Commission... Um, Jesus tells us to go out and make disciples. He doesn't tell us to go out and make converts. And I think that's what it's become, is we've, we've 
you know, we seeker friendly. Yeah. And we're, and we want converts. We don't want disciples. And I think what you're describing is, is really the difference between those two things. It's, you know, praying the prayer versus truly, um, being discipled and understanding and then being part of a, a faith community. And, uh, yeah. And, and to that point, the education aspect like that, Education is an ongoing thing, right? It is life learning. You can't educate somebody in a two-minute witnessing session on the street corner on a Friday night outside a bar. All you can do is maybe get their attention and pique their interest, but you can't educate them, right? So it's just, to me, if we're going to go and try and plant the seeds of the gospel, like we have to do it, and I hate this word, but we have to do it intentionally, right? There has to be, we can't just be like, you and Jesus and like people on the street corner. I had a, I had a conversation one time with street preachers and it was like talking to a wall. No matter what I said, he had an incorrect answer, misquoting the Bible, telling me what he was doing was correct. Oh, Paul open air preached all the time. No, he didn't. He, he taught in the synagogues. The only time he did it in open air was when he was debating the philosophers and that wasn't open air preaching. He was having a debate. Yeah, and he was very—he made some very good points about. Yeah, otherwise, ah, I notice a God that has no name. Let mm-hmm. me tell you who that God is. Yeah, it yeah. was very intentional. Open air preaching and... is not in the Bible. You cannot find it. No. But he had all of these misquoted scriptures that it's just like, oh, this conversation is going nowhere. You have a nice night. I'm going to go drink some beer now. Bye. I was just—I <laughs> couldn't even handle it. Um, well, that's better than having the Fred Phelps group come to town and. Oh gosh. <laughs> start. What espousing? Is that a word? Espousing? What am I saying? Espousing? <laughs> I don't know. What is it when you say something? <laughs> a speaking. Speaking. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea what. Like, I just make up words. Uh, yeah, uh, and people end up getting in fist fights with those people, and which is just dumb because they're all lawyers. So your life is over. Well, not all of them. I mean, they they have enough on a retainer. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it I mean, even they even have young kids that are out there doing that kind of stuff, which just kind of breaks your heart. Yeah, it really does. And you know, I've engaged them a few times and it's just I don't think it's what Jesus intended, so I think that's safe to say. All right. <laughs> so the next one says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And so this is the one where I think community comes into play. Right, exactly. Because when life hits the fan and times are tough, you need the people around you to kind of rally and carry you for a while. And if the people around you are folks that, you know, uh, are not Christians, you have a stronger chance of following them in their footsteps in the midst of your trial than say if the people around you were strong Christians, right? Because you are relying on those people to lead you in the right direction and to to lift you up and to share your burden. And one of the I mean the reason the church exists right is to be 
a community of people doing life differently mm-hmm. than the surrounding culture. And that, that has changed a lot over the, you know, the centuries. And, and we've talked about maybe how we feel about the American church on this show before, um, being a little too tied closely, you know, to culture, maybe more than it should be. Um, cause I don't think there's a whole lot that's countercultural about the church. There is some stuff, but depending on the church you go to, obviously, mm-hmm. um, there are people that could go to church who are not Christians and live very unchristian lives and they'd feel totally comfortable being in the building, which I think kind of goes against what mm. <laughs> Jesus would want. Um, but the, the the church community itself is a place for hurting people to live together and encourage each other because we all realize this is not the end. You know, this is not our home. This is not everything. This is important, and this is what we have, and this is where we are, but where we are going is better. And so in the meantime, we have to rally together to educate each other, to love each other, to encourage each other, and to share each other's burdens because we've all got each other. And that's it for now, as far as physical contact is concerned. We have God and we have the Holy Spirit, right? But we can't walk up to God and give him a hug and cry on his shoulder because today sucked. <laughs> that's what we've got other people for. Yes. And so um, that's what the, the reason I think that Christian community is so important is that it will encourage us in the hardest times to stick with God. Yes. At least it should. It should. So those are my thoughts on Christian community. Dave, I don't know if you have anything else that you want to say. I feel like I'm talking way too much. Oh, you're fine. Uh, yeah, when it comes to Christian community, uh, I think there is, there's, a, there's a couple things that are, that are going on. Uh, certainly we have uh, you know, Sunday morning uh, services where you worship God and you hear a message. And I think that's pretty, well, one, I think it's the norm. And I think it's, um, it's certainly, um, effective, um, for what that is, because regardless of what kind of church you go to, whether you go to a seeker oriented church, whether you go to a traditional church, whether, you know, whatever the the church that you may go to, the reality is a Sunday morning is the entry point. That is the point where everybody knows if I go and I show up, I'm going to get a message. I'm going to get some worship. Uh, I might get general fellowship. I can be known by a few people. But really, um, there needs to be that next step for everybody, regardless of what church you go to, um, where you're more involved with that body. and. Um, every Christian should have a place um, where they are known and they're known well. And then every Christian should have a, a, have a place where if they don't show up, people are wondering where you are. And I think that can look like a, a bunch of different, a bunch of different ways, you know, and, and I know, you know, traditionally people probably think about Bible studies or small groups, 
but uh, genuinely, I, I believe what you and I have here here with our podcast falls into that category. You know, if I'm not here when you show up to do the podcast, I'm going to be stuck on your front porch. I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to be missed. Yeah. You know, and if I'm here, you know, and I've got on my calendar that tonight's night that Cam and I are doing the podcast, and Cam doesn't show up, you're going to be missed. And that is one of the things I guess as we talk about Christian community. Um, I sincerely hope that everybody has, but it's probably a good question to ask yourself to gauge, do I have Christian community or not? And that's simply to say, if I don't show up, am I going to be missed? And I'm going to venture and say that for most people, and again, this is, this is, this is kind of a generalization. If you don't show up on Sunday morning, you know, for a week two weeks, you're probably not going to be missed. Now, obviously, there are some bodies that if you're a part of and you miss more than a couple weeks, people are going to start going, hey, where's Joe? Joe hadn't been here in three weeks. We need to find out what's going on with Joe and his family and and why they're not here. Uh, but really, you should have that place where uh, weekly, you know, more more frequently than that Sunday morning experience of if you're not there, you are missed. And so if you can't say, I have this time that if I don't show up, I'm going to be missed, then you need to find it and you need to figure out what that looks like for you. And uh, as I mentioned before, I think um, a very concrete example of that is being in a small group, is being in a fellowship. Because the other thing, and this is one of the things that my wife and I talked about, is um, you know, if one of us were to become sick or we were to have a major life event where we needed other people where where do those who are those people and where do they come into play and yeah cam's definitely one of those people uh but i i, I i'm willing to, to and this isn't a selfish thing this isn't just all about uh well what's my safety net if life starts <laughs> to suck you know uh i think it's a i think it's a true gauge of am i in christian community and um, with with all sincerity to the folks that happen to be listening, I think that's something that you really need to challenge and challenge yourself. You need to just ask yourself. You need to reflect on. You need to ask God, where is my Christian community, and will you know who's going to rally around me if I need to be rallied around? Who's going to notice when I'm not there? So that's my two cents on Christian community. All right. And I wish it for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that leads us to the third one, which says, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And this is where I think that discipline comes in. Because when you're a Christian, that doesn't change your job. Potentially, it doesn't change the community that you live in. You're not all of a sudden made different. You are still the same person living in the same place with the same job as you were the day before. And uh, the world around you doesn't change. It's still the same messed up place that you lived in before. You just now have, hopefully, some hope and a promise that things are going to change, right? And so... 
the same things that you struggled with beforehand, whatever those worldly temptations were, or uh, here I believe it says uh, the deceitfulness of riches, um, the problems and the things that caused you to sin in your life are not magically going to go away when you become a Christian. If anything... They're still going to be there. Oh, not that. They're going to get worse. Stronger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because because the pull to do them, it's this this like su- super weird like reverse psychology. Before, it was just a thing that you did because right. it made you feel good or whatever. And now you know you shouldn't do it because now you know it's sin. It's like the, it's like the red button. Don't push the red button. Don't, I'm going to push the red button. And, and so that, that strain becomes stronger because now you have the knowledge and the community around you to in, encourage you not to do the things that you used to do or the temptations that the world around you is placing on you. And it becomes a struggle, especially for folks that, become Christians later on in life and have to re have to readjust the way they live after years and years and years of habit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have enough problem doing that with myself and I've been a Christian since I was a little kid. I yeah. can't imagine coming to Christ in my twenties or thirties or even forties and being like, Oh my gosh, I have to completely relearn how to think and act and treat people. And that, that doesn't mean that these people were, quote unquote, bad people before, but when you meet Jesus and you understand the, the game changing aspect of salvation, that forces you to reconsider everything. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that, that's not to say that, that people who are not Christians are bad people. There are plenty of people on the world who are not Christians that are doing amazing things for other people that you would consider nice, good people because of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the fundamental purpose of your existence changes, everything else changes. And that can cause a lot of um, turbulence in your life. Yeah, uh, Relationships can be lost. Friendships, family members can excommunicate you, especially if you live in places like China. Oh, yeah. Where, or, you know, or in the Middle East and you're, you, you, were Muslim and now you're Christian, like you're excommunicated in, in certain instances. And that, I mean, it's a very turbulent thing to do. And so the, the concept of having discipline to not be distracted or not give into the temptation that presents itself once you become a Christian is so important. And I was just having a conversation with a guy today at the coffee shop and to the best of my knowledge, he's not a Christian. Um, super cool kid. Mm-hmm. Um, like him a lot. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's not a Christian. And he even came to the same conclusion I did is like everyone in, you know, our generation and younger has no discipline. None. Like mm-hmm. Everyone just expects that if they just show up, then they're going to be famous. <laughs> Yes. You know, and so uh, he 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 runs tours for bands, and the kids are like, "Oh, if we just make good music, we're gonna get signed and be famous." So that's not how it works. Yeah, you gotta like you gotta market, and you gotta have a strategy, and you gotta you know present yourselves and be professional. And they're like, "No, man, we're just gonna play rock music." And he's like, "Well, have fun in your garage with three people because you're never gonna make it." Yeah, you you are not entitled to anything. No, you're not. And so this this idea of discipline, and I hate this word because I am not. 
I'm disciplined in the things that I like, <laughs> and I'm very undisciplined in the things that I don't like because I don't like them. Um, and so this is a lesson that I'm trying to learn myself as I, you know, grow older and, you know, hopefully start, you know, having kids and, and just kind of move into the next stage of my life. I realize I really have to become more disciplined, <laughs> you know, cause like right now I eat what I want. I drink what I want. I don't work out. I, you know, I stay up really late. I, I kind of do as I please most of the time. And I realize like that is not a healthy way to live my life. And that's not right. going to be a good example to set, you know, for my children. No. You know, and it's just not, it's just not a realistic way to live life long term. You can get away with that when you're a kid, but I'm 29 now. So I kind of <laughs> need to <laughs> change that a little bit. And I'm, and I'm personally finding it really hard to do. And so I can sit here all day and tell you how important discipline is, but uh, pull back the veil. I suck at it when it comes to changing my life. Right. Like when I work, I'm disciplined. But when it comes to life change, I'm very not good at that because I like to be comfortable. Right. Uh, I I also think there's an element of just having children causes that to happen in you a little bit. Like I think there's just I that, sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Uh, I think it just sort of happens, and again, not not perfectly, not a hundred percent, but. Um, something innate that kicks in in us when we have our own kids. And, but with that said, by its nature, discipline is certainly something that you have to be intentional about and you have to work at, you know, I I think that's, you know, discipline takes effort. It takes, um, planning. It takes, um, you know, just showing up initially, uh, creating uh, healthy habits versus unhealthy habits. Um, and so that's kind of one of the things that you have to, con- you, uh, for me, my experience has been you have to sort of power through. There's this phase where you're like, okay, nothing is changing. Nothing is different. I'm doing this. I know it's what I'm supposed to do, but nothing seems, <laughs> yes, nothing seems to change. Nothing seems to be any, mm-hmm. any different. And it's then the worse, especially like you're trying to lose weight or something. Like, screw it, I'm eating a pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm so there right now. It's like, <laughs> I'm old. What but yeah, once you, once you bust through that right. that barrier, then you're like, oh, it really was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were out there right now and you know that you need to add some discipline to your life and you're trying, just power through, head down and just <laughs> go into fullback mode and just blow through the line. Well, and I, and I think it's as simple as making sure you just show up mm-hmm. just showing up and creating that habit. Um, you know, and, and I truly do believe that it, that's, that's true. Whether you're talking about exercise, whether you're talking about a spiritual discipline, um, whatever it may be in your life. Uh, the first step is simply showing up and being present and, um, there's a a piece of that that is like I feel like I'm just going through the motions, um, and I, you know, it takes time regardless of what you're doing. And I'm not even going to begin to say, oh, you know, sixty days, thirty days, because I think it's different in every context and it's different for every person in terms of what um, ends up being 
a breakthrough on discipline. And I, I'll say there's even another factor of, of there's the God element, because I do think there's that, that piece of God going, I want to see you show up. I want to see you make that effort. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that when it comes to disciplines in life, whatever that discipline may be. So agreed. All right. And so our last part here is, uh, He says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. And so I think it's interesting that the first thing it says is that he hears the word and he understands it. So the knowledge is there. Mm -hmm. He, He has been, he or she has been equipped with the knowledge that the gospel and salvation are valuable, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the education factor there. Then it says that he indeed bears fruit and yields. So by bearing fruit, he's doing the work. He's staying disciplined, or she is staying disciplined and doing the work through the hard times. And in one case, a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. So there's there's creating of community there too. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like a preacher because I have three points here. <laughs> but it just it seems to me that those three things are going to help us stay in the playing field as long as possible Mm. and not let Satan stick us on the bench. If I can use a sporting metaphor, Dave. (laughs) Absolutely. I know what the bench feels like. Right. Yeah, and, you know, I think to a certain degree, um, there's kind of this this intangible of of God showing up and the Holy Spirit working in our life. I, I absolutely agree with the three points and the three things that we're talking about. Um, but I also think there's just this element of the Holy Spirit working in our lives in that, you know, somebody somebody can have the head knowledge, they can do the discipline and all that sort of thing, but it's, it's that it, our reliance on God and Him working in our lives and, and kind of removing ourselves from the situation and yeah because there's going to be times when your discipline fails or when your education Mm -hmm. is lacking or when your community lets you down yeah and in all of those instances the only thing that's going to be left Mm -hmm. is going to be the holy spirit yeah urging you on and giving you the wisdom that you need and being that that small voice that just says i've got you Mm -hmm. um definitely that i should not have left that out at all um, yeah, that, that completes the triangle into a right. a nice square. It fills the triangle. Let's, it fills, the Holy Spirit fills us, David. It fills the triangle. That's right. Because, because I think there's an element of you could look at the Pharisees and go, okay, they've got understanding in what they believe to be understanding. Yeah, they've got education. They've got the discipline, mm-hmm. and they've got, probably got discipline out the wazoo. And, and to a certain extent, they've mm-hmm. got community. You know, they, and they still miss the boat, yeah. Right, so, so those things are there for them. And and uh, I guess I'm gonna kind of say uh, the Holy Spirit, God working in us, is the difference between religion and that relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pharisees very much had religion, and what we want is that relationship with God. I him. feel a lot better now because now we have four points. <laughs> we so we've broken. We have broken <laughs> we got the away. the tradition of a three point sermon. So uh, yes, thank you for that, Dave. You oh, saved no. me. <laughs> but I. I, I do agree with what you're saying in terms of discipline education. 
in community. Yeah, but you're spot on that. Without without the Holy Spirit being active in that, it is just a act of human will. God is not involved. So yeah. 100%. And it becomes like every other religion that's out there. You got or your five any job that you your have. five pillars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, well said. So, I well I bow to your wisdom. No, we'll bow to God and okay. his <laughs> Well, I'll I'll at least shake your hand. How about that? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, and that's you know, so as as, as we look at this parable, um and kind of, you know, I don't know, this is maybe my own hang up here of, of wanting to go. So what's the point here? What's, why is it uh, that Jesus, I guess I'll ask you, what, what's the point? What's the main, is there a single meaning? Is there a main um, focus behind this parable of what Jesus is trying to convey um, to his disciples? Or, well, to anybody that's wanting, wanting to hear the, the, the parable. Here's my best guess. All right. Is that God is providing the opportunity to know him to anybody that will listen. Mm-hmm. But that Satan is doing his best right. to remove that option for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be my initial pass, but mm-hmm. I'd like to know what you think. I, you know, one of the things that, that, that for me that stood out for this is I think very, Jesus is being very direct in that not everybody's going to be a Christian. And he's being very direct in that, um, you know, you, you are going to see these things happen. And when you see these things happen, uh, not to be surprised by it, uh, because, you know, as, as human beings, I think we have those people in our lives where we go, um, uh, well, they've heard the gospel. They've, they've had it. Why are they not, you know, why are they not receiving it? Or, oh my gosh, they were so on fire for Jesus and now they're not. And, um, so yeah, I, I think there's very much a, Jesus is just simply showing us that these are the things that you can expect to see. And much like what we were talking about is that, um, there are these these elements of a Christian uh, journey, someone that is that is seeking God, these things need to be present in their life um, for them to be um, to be a follower of Jesus and to to um, be what it is that He intended us to be in terms of um, salvation and uh, eternal life. So. Um, yeah, I, you know, even, even as, uh, I think back in my days as a youth pastor and this was, that this was, that the, the, this parable was something concrete for me to kind of realize, cause you get excited about a kid that comes to know Christ at camp or a kid that mm-hmm. comes to know Christ at an event or something like that. And I seem so on fire for Jesus. And then down the road, it's like, Oh, that dwindles. And uh, I know for me that was hard. I often would take it personally, and I just had to kind of go, "Okay, God, um, this is bigger than me. I'm not the one in control, and I don't have an input or influence uh, over this." And um, I guess that was kind of even one of my reasons of just sort of 
coming back to the the Holy Spirit has to work in somebody's life, even if you have the other three pieces, um, because it's not a formula. It's not X plus Y plus Z equals you know baby Christian that will <laughs> grow up to know Jesus and and spend eternity with Him. Uh, there are, are a whole lot more factors um, involved in that. So um, I think he's very much just explaining to all of us, this is this is what you're going to see, and, and this is why. And um, if I had to kind of even just sum it up even more than that, and it goes back to my original question or the thing that I kind of said of, it makes it sound like our eternal destination is determined by chance, is that in all of this, it is God's sovereignty that determines these sort of things. And it's not us as human beings, our formulas, our plans, it is our dependence on the Creator. Definitely. All right, well, I believe we are at a close for episode 48. Wonderful. If you would like to get in touch, you can do so on Twitter. We are at Masterclass FM. If you want to talk to Dave directly, you can do that at 10.8HBO, where 8 is the only number. And if you want to yell at me, you can do that at Cam Brennan on Twitter as well. We've got an email address, masterclassfm at gmail.com. And if you want to check out the show notes, you can go to masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 48. Or if you're listening on your smartphone, you can probably just scroll up on the artwork and find the notes listed there below. Any parting words, Dave? I just enjoyed our time together tonight and looking forward to next week. Indeed. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.